0: Hey guys, Nikki Wolf here, host of One Day Contract. If you like this show, then check out our show, One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality that we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. Join myself and Josh Klein. That's right. It's me, Josh Klein. I'm the managing editor of The Riot Report. My favorite guests have been, I don't know, we've had former players Al Wallace, we've had Mike Rucker on the show, we've had Bill Voth, he was the worst, we had Jonathan Jones, he was okay, we had uh, Jordan Rodriguez, he was fantastic, Joe Perso was great, he drank beers. Uh, I'm trying to think of other guests, but I feel like whoever I didn't mention, probably going to be upset.
1: That's true. Also, Colin Hoggard. Deck builder. Professional deck deck builder, builder. And fan of the Panthers for my entire life lifelong panthers fan check us out one day contract wherever you get your podcast subscribe rate love us
0: give us a listen i like donuts donuts
1: welcome to the great british drafting show Exclusive off-season series where we'll be taking a weekly look at the 2020 NFL Draft and how the Panthers might approach it. We're a proud part of the Riot Network, which is powered by Author Carolina. That's all the Panthers podcasts you could possibly want, all in one place. Uh, if you do enjoy the show this week, please do rate us, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts from, so that other Panthers fans can find and enjoy the show too. Uh, my name's Ollie, and I'm one of the leaders of the Royal Rights here in the UK and I'll be your host right up until the draft. Uh, thankfully though, someone with a hell of a lot more knowledge about college football than me, uh, I've got our draft guru, Mr Vincent Richardson with me. How are you doing this week?
0: I am I am all okay so far, that is, yeah, managing to dodge coronavirus thus far, so it's, it's all going well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just managing just about to, to slip it at the moment. We've only got, what, 36, I think, at the time of recording in the country, so I'm, I'm, current,
0: I'm currently in northern Italy where there are 2,000 and something cases, so my odds of catching it are a little bit higher, unfortunately. Oh,
1: OK. Yeah. Right, well, yeah. yeah. Stay
0: indoors, mate. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's all fine. Sure. It's all fine. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, so this week we're going to have a look at the linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fair to say we've got a pretty uh, big Luke Keekly-shaped hole at this position uh, on the Panthers roster. yeah. Um, We'll get into, you know, if the Panthers are going to use the draft to address that a little bit later on. Um, but first, let's have a, a bit of a talk about the position. Um, yep. You know, there's numerous types of linebacker, you know, much like when we spoke about safeties the other week, you've got strong and free safety. It's, you know, it's it's American football, so it's never straightforward. You can't just have a linebacker. There's got to be numerous different types of linebacker going on. Um, so what you've done is you've you've grouped the class out a little bit into uh, outside and inside yeah. um so just from a sort of positional point of view what, what's the real differences between these
0: so i think like with we what we talked about with the safeties it's all kind of on a spectrum that that there's the, sort of progressive layers of, of of whether someone is more of sort of a a four three outside linebacker slash possible box safety or whether they're very much like a three four inside linebacker and ultimately it is sort of this balance of like run defence versus pass coverage is a little bit of the balance of sort of how much space they can cover and that kind of thing. So for what for what I've done, the people who I've described as inside linebackers are people I think are probably going to be best suited to playing inside in a three four specifically, but they're they're they maybe not the 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 best pass defenders not that they can't do it but that they're not going to be asked to play slot against tight end sorry man in the slot against tight ends and that kind of stuff they're probably more underneath zone defenders and good run defenders whereas the the people who i've got as outside linebackers they they're probably more of just generic any kind of 4-3 linebacker so some of them i think are more kind of very much like 4-3 outside linebackers but but some that we'll talk about they could probably play 4-3 outside or 4-3 middle linebacker Maybe, maybe even play inside in a 3-4 in some cases. But but I think ultimately there's more value in sort of the, the outside linebacker, as it were. So it's it's more guys who, just because I said they're an outside linebacker, doesn't mean they can't play inside linebacker. However, if after they play inside linebacker, they will probably struggle to play outside of a 3-4.
1: Right. And you mentioned middle linebacker in the middle uh, of, of that answer there. So when yeah. does that fit in? I mean, I appreciate you haven't done that for this for this board. You've, you've done it inside and outside, but... yeah. What's what's the difference between that then?
0: Other so I than think the obvious, so, in so, the so so the middle linebacker is somewhere between like a three four inside linebacker and a four three outside linebacker. Obviously it's kind of intuitive, but so obviously there are all kinds of things in terms of like the Luke Leakley stuff in terms of direction and defense and stuff that it's it's very hard to get that from tape, um, at least sort of in a detailed way. Uh, but but so I think the the people who I've got as four three outside linebackers, some of them are probably able to play middle linebacker as well and there are maybe some of the inside linebackers that you could kind of get away with playing inside as like a very run focused inside uh, middle linebacker and a 4-3 but yeah that the middle linebacker is sort of somewhere between the kind of 3-4 inside thumper and the 4-3 outside linebacker so it again it's it's all on some sort of a spectrum and there aren't sort of like clear boxes it's just that when you talk about it you kind of have to make a differentiation at some point
1: yeah okay so before we do go into your board and, and it's always good to get an overall view of of the class um
0: -hmm.
1: what's this class like this year is it is it particularly strong or
0: is it i don't think it's super strong i think there are probably um it's there i think day two is probably where it's going to be most interesting particularly like you know there are probably a number of good options for depth like if you're looking for for just you know borderline starters it's probably quite a good class for that i think there's probably there are a few really intriguing players both inside and outside there aren't i don't think it's a class with many like top tier top tier prospects there are a few who we will we'll talk about a little bit but i think it's it's not one of the strongest positions in the draft i don't think it's a weak position group but i don't think it's a particularly strong one either um but there are there are some interesting names um i think uh this you know if, if you're looking for a you know a a pick at seven to be a sort of Luke Keatley direct replacement I don't think that's this is the class for that shall we say I I think they're uh, maybe next year might be a better class for looking at sort of true sort of four three inside linebacker middle linebackers Uh, but I think there are there are certainly some interesting names and there's certainly some very very intriguing players even if they're not necessarily the finished article
1: okay well we'll uh, no doubt dive into those uh, a little bit more um, as we progress then so Let's start on the board and let's start with our outside uh, linebackers yep. first. So um, let's hit the first, the top two first, because um, from you know our conversation, you said to me you feel there's a
0: clear gap um, I, at the top. So you, I think on, I think the top. Sorry, I, th- I think for outside linebackers, I think there's a gap between sort of three and four. I think is where the bigger gap here is. I, I think the so I think there's a top three here for the for the outside linebackers. Um, and so I think the three guys I've got at the top are Logan Wilson from Wyoming, uh, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson and Patrick Queen from LSU and I think they all offer quite different things but they're all quite good in different ways Um, I think if you're looking for like the most obvious replacement for Luke I think Logan Wilson is the best option in that regard, I think he is someone who is probably best suited to be that 4-3 middle linebacker but could probably play outside linebacker as well if he had to um he's a, a good run defender he's not he's, he's a good athlete rather than sort of an exceptional athlete but he's a really good run defender he he very rarely makes mistakes he kind of you know he, he never beats himself kind of thing and he has a really you know he's a converted safety he came he came to uh, wyoming as a safety and has converted to linebacker and his range and zone is really good he reads the game really well I, I, i'm sure you, you people will know from like watching luke keekley and stuff that, that you know, one of the things Luke was really, really good at was when he was dropping deep from that middle and he was sort of robbing those inside seam areas uh, against the pass. Um, and Logan Wilson is not Luke Keighley, but but you see him do those same things on tape. He has the range to start inside on a 4-3 and really affect the sort of the seam. He has the range you want from a middle linebacker. He's a good run defender, technically really solid, a good tackler, works off blocks well. You know, I don't think he's got the kind of... the Upside in coverage in terms of he's not going to play a ton of man i think he can be decent but he's never going to be the like lockdown um man coverage uh defender but i think he's just an incredibly well-rounded uh player um who could who could come in and start fairly early on and and could be that kind of um that that sort of middle linebacker general defense type thing even if it's not at the sort of superhuman standard that luke keekley played at um okay so yeah so go on carry on no, 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 no! Please, you go.
1: I was, I was just going to say. I mean, we've discussed before about sizes and, and weights and and whether we yeah. take them with a pinch of salt or not. But he, he, just by looking at him, he looks to have a bit more on him than, than you know your other option at, at, at two. Um, yeah. Simon.
0: No, I, I think he, he, he is, he's built m- more. It is interesting because someone who came into college as a safety, he is he is very much built like a, a, an NFL linebacker. You know, he doesn't look – quite a lot of the guys look a bit slight and they'll have to bulk up a little bit. Um, but, no, he, he, he very much looks the part. Um, so, yeah, the guy who I put number two is Isaiah Simmons. And he is – I know people have talked about him as a potential first-round option, and I, I'm not completely disregarding that as an option. But he is one of the most interesting prospects in this class because probably there are going to be different people who have completely different views on how he should be used in the NFL and actually what he looks like as a player positionally. So I've got him here as an outside linebacker. I, I, I know he played a little bit of edge Russia in college, but I, I don't think that's really where he's going to play in the NFL. I think it's more whether you see him as a as a, an outside linebacker or more of a, a sort of a, a, a combo safety hybrid type player. I and mean, I, think, I think he can probably i do think both of those are both of those are sensible options it's just about how you want to use him i think the reason why i have him a bit lower than some is while i think he has an enormous amount of potential and like his combine was ridiculous and on tape his his athleticism for his size is, is really really impressive um the, the issue is is that wherever you want to use him he does need to make progress that I, there's always this thing with these hybrid guys whether they're kind of these multi-tool pieces or whether they're more of a jack of all trades master of none and i think at the moment simmons is more in the latter category although it's clear he has the ability to be the former and so for him it's going to be really important that he turns being pretty good at a lot of things into being actually good at two or three of them because i think at the moment wherever you play him there are things he needs to get better at like if you play him as like a conventional 4-3 outside linebacker, he needs to get better against the run. He's not a bad run defender, but if you're going to play him in the box all the time, he needs to be better at working off blocks. And also if you're going to play him in the slot, then you're going to play him loads of man coverage. Then he absolutely has the athleticism and the movement skills and the speed to do that, but he needs to tighten up his footwork. He, he's, a, he, he's a prime example of somebody who had an immense amount of talent. And because he was playing at the college level, where the standard is a bit lower than the NFL, he was able to be dominant by just being way more talented, and he never had to get really, really good at the details of any one position because he had the the athleticism and the core traits to be good at multiple ones. For for you know he was a he was a very good college safety and a very good college edge rusher and a very good college linebacker all at one. But at the NFL standard, he's not quite good enough at any of those things yet, and needs to. However you use him, you probably aren't going to use him as all of those things. But however you use him, there are things he has to get better at, and so I think he's someone who for whom continued development is going to be important. But also, whereas, say, someone like, like Wilson has sort of a fairly clear role that you could play him in, I think if you're drafting Simmons as a defensive coordinator, you've got to have a really key, clear view of what he's going to be as an NFL player. You can't try and use him in all these different ways like he was in college, because he's not going to be able to do all of them. You have to focus on, say, two or three of the, the four things he did and, and make him be a really impact player in all of those ways rather than trying to be too clever with it, if that makes sense. I think you also can't go the other direction and just stick him out like a standard four, three outside linebacker because then you, you waste his value in in, in, in that way. But, but I, I think he's, he's probably a player with the highest ceiling of any of the players on this board. It's just, I think at the moment he, he needs some work.
1: Cause I mean, you mentioned the combine a moment ago, the, previous podcasts we've done we had not had that now we have mm-hmm. but it's it's quite interesting to, to start thinking about the reaction that you see you know on people's boards and you know throughout the media mm-hmm. and just how much weight they put into you know a good combine or a poor combine yeah um, you know, clearly he's had a good one so I mean you yeah. think it you know, has the interest in him shot up because of that and, and, and is it literally as simple as that or is it more just the fact that like you've alluded to, his talent is was just so obvious to see when he was at college that everyone's always been really high on him and, and they just expected this at the combine.
0: I think it's a mixture of things. So I think I think the issue with these players who who everyone views as great athletes on tape, particularly if that that your great athleticism is your selling point. So for Simmons, uh, he isn't a bad technical player in many regards. So it's not like he's a complete project, but but it's you know his athleticism is a major part of his appeal if he then goes in and has a poor combine that then a real red flag because if you're not really good at your big selling points then that's that's an issue um but i think people do probably tend to overreact to the combine a little bit at least at least sometimes i mean there are loads of examples of players getting way too overdrafted um but based based on sort of athletic measurables that sort of you can sort of see on tape but it's clear that's not you're drafting someone because of who you think they might become with a, no real evidence of why they're going to suddenly make this development. Um, but I, I don't think Simmons is one of those people. I think he's just that he is a great athlete. It shows up on tape. It's just he needs to be technically tighter. So I, I think I think that's probably the best way to put it. It's not that he's bad technically. He just needs to tighten up in a number of regards. And that's not impossible. And he could absolutely be this amazing player. But you also just can't assume he's going to suddenly do that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, that makes perfect sense. So <clears throat> there's your top two, and like you said, they're they're a bit of a standout. Yeah. Um, the,
0: the, the other guy who's sort of in the same conversation and and is getting some first round love is Patrick Queen from LSU. And so I think the the reason why I've got him, he's someone who very much like you talk about sort of the value of interviews and stuff. He's someone that with good interviews could shoot up boards. Um, and the reason why I say that is because he he really didn't play a ton at LSU. He only I think it's like eight games he played or something bonkers. Um, and he clearly gets better during during last season. But he where he started from was so raw that he's going to have to continue to develop a fair amount. Even though he's you know he's fantastic range in zone, great movement skills. You know, if if you're looking for more of like a an outside linebacker in a 4-3, like a Thomas Davis type replacement, I think he he has a an, an amazing ceiling in that regard, and showed real progress to the point where I think he is he's certainly a day two pick, and I think is going to push push conversations to be taken either high in the second or, or late in the first. I just think that you're going to he's someone who who you would have to trust is very teachable because. Even more so than Simmons, he is very much built upon what he can become rather than what he is right now. Even though he showed an awful lot to make you think that he, you know, it isn't just athletic, athletic traits. He showed a lot as an actual like functioning linebacker. He just needs to continue to get better. So I think he's. I think the issue with the Panthers is that is that unless you're convinced that you're going to move Shack Thompson into the inside line that middle linebacker role and that it's all going to be fine there. If Luke Keekley, you want more of an inside more of like a middle linebacker type player I think probably if you're looking for a direct replacement so uh, if you trade back in the first maybe Queen someone is someone you start to look at but I think he would he would have been a more natural replacement for Shaq Thompson than he would have been for Luke Keekley, if that makes sense
1: yeah that doesn't I, I tell you what I'm noticing that the more of these we do and the more of the, your boards I'm looking at yeah we're talking about LSU players pretty much every week now yeah there's obviously you know, a reason for that because they had good players and and they won you know the championship but how much do you think sometimes there's too much almost too much weight given to a championship that it pushes people up because well they must be good because they won a championship yeah
0: i, I don't know whether it's necessarily the championship thing i think there's there is definitely a a sort of like big school bias if that makes sense and i i, I, I you know i i, I I can't complain too much because there are all kind everyone has their own biases so the idea that, that that you can speak and say well I have no biases is is preposterous but I think there are there are definitely guys who particularly when you get to sort of the middle rounds there are players who will be taken in the 4th and 5th because they are a competent starter at Georgia or Alabama and actually if they'd have been just as good but had gone to Western Michigan they probably wouldn't have been taken in the 5th round say and 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 that I think that's more where the the, the bias comes in I think that there are some Bits where people sort of buy into sort of, you know, well, he was a, a winner and that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I think the bias tends to happen more when you get to the middle rounds. And it's when players are being drafted because they were start you know, the people who were sort of starters at big SEC schools, say, but actually were kind of fairly unremarkable. They were sort of the worst starter on on honour. Like there'll, there'll be LSU players, you know, like a good example is Michael Divinity, who, who we're probably not going to talk a ton about, but it's probably my my ninth outside linebacker. Like he's perfectly decent. But if he gets drafted in the third round, it's not because he's a third round player. It's because he's like a perfectly competent player who happened to play for a championship team. And those are the bits that it, where that, I think that that kind of bias starts to seep in more, where it's more around fine players being viewed as good players rather than, you know, the, the really good players generally show out wherever that they're at. It's very rare that someone gets drafted in the top 10 just because they won a national title or that kind of thing.
1: Mm. So um, you mentioned uh, big schools and small schools there. Have you got any... Mm. Any players in perhaps a smaller school on on your board that you think could be a a bit of an outside chance or perhaps more of a developmental player?
0: Um, So, yeah, Jordan Brooks um, from Texas Tech is an interesting one. So I watched him a bit of his tape last year um, and he was basically playing as a safety, sort of somewhere between safety and outside linebacker. Uh, And it was clear that he was probably going to have to move to linebacker but also he wasn't really being asked to play the positions so that was very hard to kind of work out actually what he was going to look like this year. He played much more like a conventional outside linebacker. Um, and I think he, he has some really nice movement skills and stuff. Certainly his, his like straight line speed and range are, are, is really, are really quite good. He, um, just needs to. I think I have some concerns about his ability to process. Like he, there are a few times where he looked like he got in the wrong gap and didn't really recognize what was going on in zone a bit. So I think that's something you'd have to probe a bit. And maybe that's just not being familiar with the position. And you know, it, there is some logic that if you're converting from safety to linebacker, like you're not gonna you're suddenly having to deal with pulling guards and that kind of stuff in the way that you weren't as a as a safety. So I think there's that there's some reason to, to rationalize why he might be a bit poor in that regard. But he is he is someone um, who needs particularly a lot of work in the run game. Um, he, he, yeah, he he plays like a safety-playing linebacker, but it's clear that linebacker is where his future is. And I don't think he's someone... There's a, a chance he gets overdrafted because of his athletic potential, but he's someone who, if you draft, you probably have to accept you're not going to play as a rookie, um, and, and the value is in what he can become, which for a rebuilding team might not be the worst thing. But he is, his potential is really quite high, but he, he needs an awful lot of work, whereas Simmons needs a bit of polishing and Queen needs a bit of polishing. Brooks is more of a a, a long term building project, shall we say? Which I
1: guess is based on you know what we've discussed previously, and, and yeah, anyone with with ears and eyes can they can probably see that pretty much where we are. We are in that yeah. project.
0: Yeah, I think I think some the other the only other person who I think is is worth mentioning as sort of someone who might might get some interest for in the Panthers is uh, Tay Crowder from Georgia, who again I think is really more of an outside linebacker than a middle linebacker. But I think he was really quite solid. He's a pretty good athlete. You know, he needs to improve in some regards, um, and I don't think he's ever going to be a star player. But he was a, you know, uh, he he was actually quite good for Georgia rather than just solid. And I don't, I think he's technically pretty well rounded, even though he could do with a bit of work against the run again. But but he, if you're sort of getting towards the end of day two, probably more into the beginning of day three, he might be an option. But I'm not, I'm not. The issue with the Panthers is they've actually got quite a lot of good depth at linebacker. What you're just lacking is that sort of top of the roster guy because he's just walked off basically, and so I'm not sure Tay Crowder. Although I think he's quite a good prospect, I think he's a good prospect for another team in a different situation, rather than a team that is that is trying to find a, a like a foundational piece rather than you know they've got quite a lot of fairly good linebacker depth. They just need the people. They need, they need starters, and like good starters as well. And I'm, I'm I'm I think if if you're looking for a good starter, I think there are probably Wilson, Simmons, Queen and Brooks are probably the only people who I think I'd be confident in that kind of category. For for teams that are looking more for depth, I think there are some other options. I think um, uh, Joe Bacci and Troy Dye are both pretty good like depth options. I think if you were looking for sort of like a third linebacker, like if the Panthers didn't have Jermaine Carter and were looking for someone to be a Jermaine Carter, I think both those guys could sort of fit into that role. But I'm not sure they're necessarily a huge improvement on Jermaine Carter, say, and, and actually at that point, you have to wonder what the appeal is for the Panthers, though there are going to be teams who do obviously have interest in them.
1: Yes. I mean, you, you mentioned our depth um, on the roster at, at linebacker, and obviously with, with Thomas Davis um, leaving and, and obviously Luke yeah. now as well. Um, if you actually look back at our, our picks over the last couple of years, we, we've, we've taken a number of linebackers already. Yeah. So you'd, you'd kind of hope that we have some depth, given we've, we've spent a bit, a, a bit yeah. of draft capital on it already.
0: Yeah, I, I think the thing is there is because you've had, you know, Thomas Davis, Shaq Thompson and Luke Keighley pretty much without interference for the best part of probably the last, what, five years, four years? And this year, obviously, Thomas Davis left, but the Panthers moved to sort of a three, four and there, therefore they only really use two linebackers. But the Panthers haven't had to use a linebacker heavily other than those two, other than those three, really for the last five years. And so guys like um, Jermaine Carter, Andre Smith, uh, Jordan uh, Kunashik, um they could be quite good. We just don't know. And I think part of what the rebuilding process will be is giving those guys a chance and seeing how they do maybe not as like the, the main starter alongside Jack Thompson but if you go back to a 4-3 you, you need to play a third linebacker and, and maybe those guys get a look there and, and that's certainly an area where I think you could use sort of a year or two of rebuilding where you, you just take a look at and see what you've got and if you need to then draft a the linebacker in a year's time Next year's linebacker class probably looks a bit better at the very top than this one does, and so maybe that 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 then makes sense to give the people you've got a go in the short term, and then either draft. I mean, you know, I, I, Logan Wilson is the really interesting one for me because I think he's maybe being a bit undervalued as a whole. Like, I I don't think you spend a, a top ten pick on Simmons or a first round pick on Queen unless you're committed to them being the starter for the next five years. Whereas Wilson might be there in the third or the fourth, and I think that's probably more of a value thing for the Panthers. Um, but but I think this is a position they 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 could probably not address this year, try the people they've got, and it might go horribly wrong, but if you're not expected to be super good next year, maybe you can take that hit. But yeah, I, I think this is this is a position where they've they've got people they've drafted who they haven't really had a chance to look at as a starter. And this is this might be the year that they do that, and that would then obviously mean you're not drafting people to just assuming they're going to start.
1: I think that's that's one thing that it, the fans I think would probably struggle with seeing us being rubbish at linebacker yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we've been just, we've been spoiled with this embarrassment of riches <laughs> with with Luke yeah. and obviously T D and, and and you know when those two were together they were you know a pretty decent partnership. I feel like the fans. And not this is why the the organization should make a decision, but I think the fans might struggle with that suddenly seeing you know it all going
0: horribly wrong and, and suddenly thinking, well, hang on, we used to having having someone pretty good there. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be true. I of feel like the positions, positions for the Panthers break. the Panthers this coming year. I think there might be sort of some positions that you know. A range of different positions where the people were going. Well, we used to be really, really good at this. And it's like, yeah, that was when we were in the Super Bowl, and now we're we're not, that we're rebuilding. So I, I I do know what you mean. I do think it'll be very odd not seeing Luke out there in particular. Um, but but I think there are going to be position groups that take a significant step back this year. The question is more like how big of a step back, and and how many positions do that? I, I, I maybe you know, ultimately, if you look at the positions, they, they 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 you know, if they let everyone walk in free agency or most people walk in free agency they're not going to be able to fill all those needs in one off season. There are going to be positions that are, for lack of a better term, pretty awful next next year. It's just about how many there are that are pretty awful and how awful awful is, basically. So, like, I, I know what you mean, but I, I think there are, there are there's are going to be at least one position group, I think, that takes a, a marked and pretty frustrating step back.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's, you know, it's sports fans, right? So asking sports fans to be patient is...
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: utility but I guess we you know what we've got to look at is we've got to look at you know the, the contracts that have been given to the coaching staff you've got to give up you know the things that Tepper's doing as well and seeing that there is change and, and I think what's going to be interesting is for, for me is it's kind of looking at the picks that we make and the positions that we go after more to try and give us an understanding of how our new Coaching team is going to actually set us up.
0: Yeah, I I still think there's a chance that we just wait until September. I I think in some ways this season is really exciting because I have no idea what the Panthers are going to be like at all. I, I, you know, I I have reason to believe that the offense might not use a ton of pass protectors and they might do quite a lot of quick passing stuff with some deep stuff. And the defense is going to try and be multiple. But the actual details of the offense and defense are completely unknown at this point and so i think in some ways it's gonna be really exciting to just see this team roll out in september and just be a complete surprise some of which will probably be good some of which will probably be bad but it, but it, it, it's this is the most unknown i can remember an nfl team being but just partly because of the amount of change but also because of who they've hired uh, and therefore the, the the sort of the unfamiliarity of them in the context of the nfl game
1: yeah i mean it's you're absolutely right it is kind of interesting it's exciting but um I imagine that interest and excitement will wane pretty
0: quickly if we're (laughs) 0-2 after week two and think oh yeah yeah, maybe this isn't so interesting after all (laughs) I I think the 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 comparison that that keeps coming to mind for me is um is that the the 49ers in the first season under Shanahan because I remember watching the Panthers at the 49ers that year which I think was the season opener um 2017 that is and And it was how can I put it? The 49ers weren't good. It was clear that they weren't a very talented team. They had big needs, at loads of positions. They were not a good team. But what they did look, even from that very first game under Shanahan, they looked competent. They looked like they knew what they were doing. There was a clear strategy of how the team was going to work and and all the plays, even if they weren't executed super well, you could see how the play was designed to work and why it should work if the players, if you have the talent to actually execute it and that it wasn't some ridiculously ambitious execution that no player will ever be capable of on a consistent basis. So I, I think that's kind of what to look for. This I know this is a bit of a tangent from the linebackers, but I think that's what you have to look for for the Panthers this coming year is is that there's a plan and it's a plan that can work, even if it's not a plan that will work with the players they have right now. And maybe it needs a bit of polish and the coaches take a little while to get everything sort of tightened up and and sorted. But I think the standard is not wins and losses, but just competence or incompetence. I know that sounds like a very low bar, but it's a very low bar that an awful lot of NFL teams consistently fail to reach. So I I think if the Panthers just look like they know what they're doing and that what they're doing has a chance of working, I think that's what the standard for success should be for this first year with Rule and Brady and um, Snow none of whom have ever called plays in the NFL before. So I, I think it's, it's a low bar, but I think that would actually be quite an exciting bar to see them reach.
1: Cool. Well, let's um, let's pull this back into... Yeah, <laughs> let's go back to linebackers
0: for, for a little while at least.
1: Um, so you, you mentioned earlier about the differences between the different types of linebacker. Yeah. Um, but what about the different skill sets that are needed for the roles? I mean, is there much of a variation
0: okay so i think the skill sets that are needed are basically the same it's just about which skill sets are most important out of that grouping for the two different positions so for a linebacker you you need to be able to play the run so you need to have the awareness to stay in the right gap and to adjust to things like pulling guards you need to be able to sort of understand how you fit into the the shape of the run defense and 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 consistently execute that but you also need the technique to, to make that work so you need to show you need to get your arms up, you need to get locate your arms onto blockers, you need to be the ability to, 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 to keep stop blockers from just crowding you and and, and 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 getting up on you and then to keep them at bay and then work off when when you no, know, to make the tackle when when it comes to that. Um you also, you know, it's useful if they can they can, you know, do so without being driven four yards backwards. Um so like some kind of power to actually sort of hold their ground in the run is useful. Um in terms of the pass coverage stuff I think some of it is similar to the stuff that we talked about with safeties where you want to see the footwork and the balance and the ability to change direction without sort of falling over or, you know, staying balanced whilst covering a large area of space and changing direction. You want to see an ability in, in man to, to just fo- adjust to change the direction through routes um, and not to have defenders, uh, receivers just run away from them. Um, and then obviously for most of these linebackers, a lot of their their game is going to be in zone, particularly the inside linebackers. And for that, you want to see like a balance and an ability to come out of breaks, to change direction, to accelerate out um, in, down to down to the ball um, without sort of falling over or, or suddenly looking like they're about to, to 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 lose their limbs in all four different directions at once. Um, but you also want to see the the range, the ability to cover a large area of space, at speed and under control. Uh, and then the ability to read and react and recognise. So, so to adjust to players entering and leaving their zone and doing so in a controlled and intelligent fashion. Um, obviously, there are sort of high-level things where you can see people making plays outside of the structure of the defence. But really, the number of players for whom that is actually a positive rather than a negative is relatively few. Um, generally, it's preferable that you don't sort of completely break structure. Um, but, but, but yeah, the ability to recognise and and to to to, to intelligently react to what's happening in front of you, both against the run and the pass, is probably what separates linebackers maybe more from from say safeties, where just because you're closer to the line, things happen faster, and you have to be far more consistent in your educa- um, execution, and you have to you you have to be much quicker in your reaction. You can't process at a distance the way you can as a deep field safety to a certain degree. So yeah, so, so, so yeah, it, it's it's again, it's a very similar skill set for for safety and linebacker. It's just about the different priorities, the different things, and the degree to which you have to do them for them to be viewed as good. So I think if we go to like, the difference between the inside and the outside linebackers. Outside linebacker, you have to be good in, in pass coverage. I think. I think you 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 certainly have to be a good zone defender to be a good outside linebacker. And ideally, for for outside linebackers in particular in a four three, you want to see some ability to play man coverage. You, you know, you, you need you need not just against sort of like slower running backs, but to actually match up against sort of more mobile tight ends. Um, you look at Shaq Thompson the way he's sometimes used against you know uh, running backs or tight ends. You, you, those are the kind of movement skills you want to see from your outside linebackers. Whereas for for three or four inside linebackers, you want to be really good run defenders. You want to be much more physical in terms of your ability to take on blockers at the point of attack. And then it's more focused towards sort of underneath the zone coverage than necessarily huge drops into sort of the, the the intermediate thirds and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, it, it, it's more about the balance between the skill sets that matters at the different positions rather than sort of fundamentally different things being required.
1: Okay, I mean, I'm looking at your, your notes here and, and I'm noticing... Quite, with quite a lot of frequency the, the, the t- guys at the top in their pros column seem to have ball production featuring yeah. quite uh, the guys at the bottom of your board in the cons seem to have not so good ball production on there so i've just just yeah. noticed on your notes here so talk to me a bit about ball production because
0: it's two yes. words
1: that i recognize but yeah <laughs> but understanding it, what that actually means in a football context is, is so like
0: it, it's 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 so one of the things is is it's unless you do sort of a, a PFF and you watch every single snap of every single player, which obviously I'd like to do, but also I don't have time to do that for for all 400 people I'll talk about over the course of this podcast series. So I will have watched like one, you know, anywhere between sort of two and four games for most prospects. For the odd one where I can only find one game, you know, for some of the small school guys it might only be one, but I try and watch sort of two to four games. And so it's quite hard from that necessarily to to get an idea of say things like ball skills because you would watch a linebacker and and they just don't get the ball thrown towards them. Um, so what it's quite useful to get an idea of is roughly like if you look through their interceptions and pass deflections, particularly guys who've been multiple year starters, it's not sort of you know something you draft someone for or not draft someone for, but it's it's I find it useful to get an idea of of like roughly how how productive they've been as a coverage player. And obviously, sometimes you can understand why if they've only been a one-year starter, it's quite hard to make anything from one year of data. And also, if you know, if you particularly when you get to collect cornerbacks and stuff, it's less relevant for linebackers. But for cornerbacks, if they've just been man coverage corners, they're not going to have the interceptions because that's not what the 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 coverage is trying to achieve necessarily. But particularly guys who played a lot of zone you should be able to produce interceptions or at least like chance you know maybe not in any given game or any given four game period but if you've been a starter for three years and you have no interceptions particularly if you played a lot of zone you then start to wonder okay have you just been really really unlucky or is this maybe an indication that either you don't react to things particularly well or that you just don't have the ball skills and obviously when you go through the combine process and workouts you start to test things like ball skills so you know these linebackers will at the combine have had loads of balls thrown at them and someone will have been tracking roughly how many they caught and how many they didn't and, like, why they didn't catch them and that kind of stuff. So it's a similar thing to – these are things they start to probe uh, probe more into the off-season workouts because from tape you can – obviously, if someone's got great ball skills and is constantly picking the ball off, that's a really good indication. But if someone's never been throwing the ball to them, if they've just been locking their man down, in man coverage all the time they might never have an interception because the ball has never been thrown to them but it doesn't mean they can't do it it just means that that wasn't something that came out of their their tape so the ball production isn't something that i'd put a huge amount of value on it's just it's it's a nice indication of whether they've they've able they've, they've they've it's a box they might have ticked and and obviously sometimes you watch people on tape and you see them dropping easy interceptions over and over and over again or just struggling to react to what's happening in front of them in coverage and there maybe it's more of a fundamental issue but it's just a it's a box some prospects have ticked and some prospects haven't in terms of if they come out of college with 20 interceptions I'm pretty confident they can catch the ball they they might not be able to to be a great NFL player and that certainly would be why I draft them but you trust that they can catch the ball whereas someone who has no college interceptions you think that that's something I definitely want to look at if I was if I was able to work them out Say. yeah
1: it's one less thing to worry about yeah
0: yeah precisely one less thing to have to work on Mm.
1: um okay cool so Let's um, step inside then, go to the inside linebackers. Yeah. Um, so perhaps look at your, your top three.
0: Yeah, I think top, um, top, top two, I think, and then we'll go, go from there.
1: Okay, cool. So uh, we've got Francis, is it Bernard? Bernard? Uh,
0: uh, yeah, on? I'm not sure on the pronunciation. So, yeah, it's it's written Bernard, but it might also be Bernard.
1: Yeah, could well be. Yeah, answers on tweets, that one, please. Yep. Um, and um, Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma as well. Yes. Who?
0: yeah so i think for, kenneth murray is someone who's got a bit more sort of first round love and again i think he, he's he has been really productive at oklahoma but there's just uh there's a few things that make me a little bit more cautious i don't think either of these guys are going to set the world on fire as nfl players murray probably has a slightly higher ceiling um but but um so let's start with bernard i mean he, he's not the world's greatest athlete and i think that's why i have him here as a, an inside linebacker rather than an outside linebacker I, you know he's he, he's covered a reasonable amount of space and zone and like has some ability to play man potentially but you know if you stick him on sort of more athletic tight ends, they're just, just going to run away from him but that's not what his game is he's he's uh you know he's a, a good underneath zone defender he doesn't cover tons and tons of ground but he gets you know he can cover a, 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 a competent amount of space he, he reads the game well in zone. You know, he, he he's although he's not sort of a hyper athlete, he, he moves quite well um, uh, and he, you know, he takes on blocks. Well, good gap discipline, uh, you know, good tackler, not necessarily going to set the world on fire as a pro. But I think you could kind of stick him into a defense, a three, four defense, particularly sort of fairly early on. And I think he'd be a good, competent, productive player and when you get into day two, that's probably more, you know, I wouldn't take him in the first round, don't get me wrong, but like if you get into day two, particularly after the top sort of 50 or 60 picks or so, I think he's someone who could come in and just be an immediate impact, good to, to decent starter, um, even if he isn't um, going to set the world on fire. Um, I think with Murray, there's there's more upside, like I think he's probably a more explosive um, athlete, Um i think he's probably got a, 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 a bigger upside in terms of his ability to potentially play man coverage and his range and in, in, in zone and all that kind of stuff um but I, his movement skills do worry me a little bit I, I think he although he can cover quite a lot of space he doesn't always look that balanced and that stable when he's doing so um i also have have some concerns about his ability to, to necessarily process in zone i i think he he, he he looked a bit passive at times, possibly, or, or or certainly didn't didn't stand out in terms of his ability to read the game from a coverage point of view. Um, and although he he really impresses at times as a tackler in terms of the power and his ability to to to, to make impacts on on ball carriers, he, he could do with using his arms a little bit more consistently. So I think he's he's somebody where I can see I can see why people like him and why he's maybe getting sort of some late round late first round sort of love. But I think he's. He needs quite a bit of work um, and is, he, he could, no, don't wrong, he, he could be a good pro, but I don't think he has the upper tier ceiling to, to where i feel confident sort of taking him particularly high given how much he needs to work on. I think I see him more as a day two uh, pick um, and probably, again, not someone who would be totally thrilled about taking the top 40 picks.
1: Okay, cool. So let's look at your next pick then, Marcus. Bailey out of Purdue
0: yeah he I not
1: think, hitting the levels of the other two
0: no I think I think once you get beyond those two I think p- partly it's sort of the 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 result of the selection bias that, that because these are players who I don't think can necessarily be great coverage players it, the value is always going to be lower just because they are playing inside and outside so it's 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 hard to find loads of people who are sort of you love as inside linebackers um, as, as, as inside specific linebackers I think there are a few guys after you get past the top two who I think could all be competent pros who, you know, I think Marcus Bailey from Purdue or um, Chiava Tizino from San Diego state. I think both can probably come in and be pretty good inside linebackers, but I don't think either have got amazing ceilings. Um, I, I I think they're both like good competent players, but I don't think, they're not as good as Bernard or Bernard, and they don't have the ceiling that Murray has. So I, I think it, it's once you, if, if you're a three-four defense, and, and you, particularly with the NFL going much more towards sort of coverage and stuff, obviously you'll be competent run defenders. But I think if I was looking for like an upper tier starter, I'd probably have more interest in taking a Logan Wilson or maybe even a Tay Crowder. And maybe getting them to to to, to play in, inside and maybe accepting you're not necessarily going to have the best run defense, but they'll make up for it uh, and some in coverage. Then, then I think if you're getting into the the the, the starting Marcus Bailey or Tazino, I think they're probably if they're the first player in your depth chart not to start, I think you've got a really good group. But I think if they're starters, they're fine and nothing more. And I think you're this is not a particularly deep linebacker class in that regard that there's kind of a handful of guys who I think can be upper tier starters and the rest are either long-term developmental guys or or really more limited players who can be can be competent starters but are probably never going to be stars and to be fair you know the Panthers have got a reasonably good record I mean OJ Klein is probably sort of the very upper tier of that but he's been quite a good competent starter in in new orleans but he was always a guy where he had limitations but he was also you know fundamentally competent even if he was never going to be a star and i think that's probably more the level that they a bailey or a zino are at more of the sort of the 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 fine to good but not great and never going to be great shall we say
1: yeah so um you mentioned just then uh, about some developmental options who who else have you got further down your board that you think could be uh a good Um, late round panther for a real
0: developmental option? I don't know. I'm not sure if, ultimately I think probably the the Panthers probably aren't going to be looking to find a three, four inside developmental option. I think, you know, um, if, you know, uh, Jordan Kineship, I think I'd have as much reason to think that he can be good at this than really most of the people on this board. I think the one guy who we're talking a little bit about is Willie Gay. Uh, from Mississippi State, because he has got some love from other areas where people see him maybe um, as a better player. And I think he'll probably test quite well athletically. Um, But I'm not sure his movement skills are particularly amazing. Um, And I think it's one of those things where I think some see him as more of an outside linebacker, and I'm just not sure his movement skills are good enough to be that. And therefore, if you if you then don't think he can do that and he has to be an inside linebacker, you're then going, well, I'm not sure he's a good enough run defender to be an inside linebacker. He's kind of caught in this bit, right? I think he's kind of between the two and I'm not sure he's, he's a good enough coverage player to be a plus player as a, as, an, as a sort of a four, three linebacker. And I don't think he's a good enough run defender to be a plus player as a, as a, as a three, four linebacker. So I, I, he, he might be someone who, who gets a bit of love. And I think if you can find, if you can find a way to use him, Maybe as an inside, like a middle linebacker in a 4 3, he might just about be okay. But I I think he's someone that maybe will test quite well and and teams will like. But I'm not sure I can quite get behind that level of enthusiasm, shall we say.
1: Mm. It sounds like, from what you're saying, then, that there's only a few picks here, actually, that are really much better than what we already have in in terms of some of the depth we've already got in place. So we're either taking someone fairly early, or, or not at all then, would you say?
0: Yeah, I certainly don't see the, the given the players already on the Panthers roster, I find it hard to understand why you would invest in, like, like, if you're going to draft someone in the fourth or fifth round to be a developmental linebacker, why are they better than Andre Smith, uh, Jordan Kunishek, or um, uh, Jermaine Carter? And do I, I, me wrong, I'm not saying that, the, that, that, that there aren't going to be any people who might slip through the cracks and could be good, and obviously there are always players who surprise who, you know, everyone sort of failed to see but I I think there. whereas last year there were maybe some more sort of interesting late round like linebacker options I'm I'm not sure there are tons this year maybe I mean the, the only thing would be is is it, we are so early in this draft process that it's really hard to know exactly where people are going to go so although you know it would be a surprise if someone like Isaiah Simmons wasn't there you know was still on the board at sort of 39 whether someone like Tay Crowder goes in the third or he goes in the fifth is quite hard to tell at this point. Or say with Logan Wilson, it's sort of the same sort of range. I think if if someone like Tay Crowder was there in the fifth, I think he's good enough at that, you know, even though he might not be the best fit with what the Panthers have, the value is definitely there if you get sort of the, the middle of day three. But I, I think if, I think if the Panthers, sort of there are sort of three categories I could see the linebackers falling into the Panthers. I think they could potentially talk themselves into Isaiah Simmons at seven, I'm not sure. Although I can see why you would do that and where he could absolutely justify that selection, I I think that would be a bit of a risk at seven. I think he, you you'd be trusting he can develop quite a lot, which potentially he can. But I, I'm not sure I'd be quite willing to 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 bet on that at that high. Or then you're looking at the Patrick Queen late in the first if they traded down. But I'm, again, I'm not sure that's the best fit. I think the the best case scenario of the Panthers is 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 Logan Wilson sometime either on day two or very early on day three um I, again and he, it's very hard he's someone who 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 is still in that category where he hasn't got so much love that it would be a shock if he was there in date in the in the third round but has got enough love that you couldn't rule out him getting taken in the second so i think where I, I i don't think linebacker is going to be the most pressing need for the panthers although obviously there's going to be a demand to fill the hole of Luke Keeley. I think there are there are other positions in this draft that are potentially stronger, and unless someone like Wilson falls, I think it's going to be hard to justify drafting someone like like um, you know drafting a Tay Crowder in the third rather than drafting a uh, a, a, a Bryson Hopkins or uh, maybe even a, a, a sort of a, a an offensive linesman or a safety. So if it's Jeremy Chin or or Tay Crowder, I think the Panthers you, you probably take Jeremy Chin. Uh, and so it, it, it's, yeah, it, it's not a position that I think the combination of the Panthers need and the draft class, I don't think are a great fit together. If, you know, this wouldn't be a position I'd bet on the Panthers taking, shall we say.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned replacing Keekley there.
0: Um, yeah. And perhaps this
1: isn't the best class to do it. How much of an eye do NFL teams, I'm assuming the answer's going to be big, but um, how much of an eye do NFL teams have on the following year's class? As if to say, well, don't take yourself a linebacker now because perhaps next year's really, really strong or get one in now because next year's a, a load of rubbish.
0: So I think it varies a little bit. Obviously, it will vary between team to team as well. But I think there's I think teams have an idea of who they think the really good players are. And I think they like if they know there's a lot of good players at one position, like I think teams were probably more hesitant on receivers last year knowing this year was probably going to be a pretty good receiver group and so things like that and obviously there are sometimes individual prospects that get teed up like a tour or a a Trevor Lawrence Um, but I I think obviously it's so hard to know a year out exactly what the class is going to look like because players continue to develop and a lot of guys only you know start for one year or only start a little bit of one year and then a full-time start of their final year so I I don't think teams have like a a fully developed draft board or anything like that a year out but you know someone like dylan moses say who some thought was going to come out this year even though we'd missed the whole season to injury but then went back to alabama you know he is someone that if you were looking for an inside linebacker or a a, a four three middle linebacker he is absolutely someone that teams will probably have looked at and thought okay if we pass on linebacker we know there is at least one really good linebacker prospect and if we're you know if we're not expecting to be very good next year that's maybe someone who, who if we're really set on getting a, a big, big sort of star linebacker, that's someone we could keep an eye on. So I, I, I don't think teams have kind of planning in detail, but they'll have an idea of, 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 of any sort of particularly promising prospects and sort of notably strong position groups, shall we say.
1: Cool. Well, I think that's it, just about wraps us up on the linebacker side of things, unless there was yes. anyone else you wanted to quickly
0: mention. No, not really. I think this 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 is this is definitely a position group where there's a few players who are um, like a, a significant amount better than 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 the rest shall we say.
1: Cool. So um next time we're going to be talking about wide receivers. You just touched on it there.
0: Yeah. Um I've I've looked at your board and it's vast. <laughs> yes. It's a really really good receiver group. Um like and some people think I've got a little bit too far down the sort of the hyperbole line of saying, well, there's going to be 18 million receivers taken in the first two rounds. But I think there are at least five or six receivers in this class who I'd rated ahead of everyone from last year. Um, so it's yeah, it, it's it's a really good receiver class. <laughs> Oh, well, should be a good
1: episode next time then. Yeah. Um, that's about all from us this week then. Please do subscribe, like, comment, review, and all that good stuff wherever you get your podcast from. um Do give us both a follow on Twitter as well. I'm at Royal Riot UK. And um, Vincent, what about yourself?
0: I am at V Richardson 444.
1: Great, thank you very much. Cheers for your time, Vincent, and I'll catch up with you next
0: week okay. okay. See you. Later. Bye. Bye.